Welcome back, holy readers. You've made it to week eight. Congratulations. I want to encourage you to keep reading and keep searching, Googling, listening, because God is speaking. Um, sometimes there are days that are more difficult in our reading than others. Maybe passages that are hard to understand or passages that seem boring a little bit. But keep reading because as we treasure God's word in our heart, he's going to bring us more understanding and more opportunity to use his word as we continue to journey in him. So let's talk about this. This week, we're going to cover February 19th through 25th, Numbers 5 through 18, Psalm 22, 23, 27, 90, and 29, Acts 26 through 28. We'll finish that book. And then Mark chapter one through four. So let me remind you in Numbers, we have read through that first bit about the census and arranging the camp. And then um, we've talked about the five sections of the book, the um, three wilderness passages, and then the two sections in between that are travel logs. So um, we've done Sinai, and now let's talk about the wilderness of Paran. As I was making my notes, I was just so amazed at all of the wonderful stories here in Numbers. You're going to be reading passages that are so wonderfully rich and familiar. So take advantage of it. This is good, good stuff. Um, Paran is halfway through to the promised land, and this is where we start reading about the 12 spies. Did you ever learn the song, um, 12 men went to spy and Cain and Tin were bad and two were good. What did they do when they got to Cain and Tin were bad and two were good? I don't know if you knew that song, but that's what we're talking about here. And the two good spies were Joshua and Caleb. So they go to spy out the promised land and 10 of them come back with heavy hearts and they are faithless and fearful. They're saying there's no way that God could give us that land. There are giants. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, no, God is more than able. Strengthen yourselves and believe. But those 10 spies stirred up the people into fear and frenzy. And they were talking about mutiny. And so God gave them what they wanted. I want to tell you, friend, that that is a theme of our scriptures, that God will turn you over to what you want. And if you want more of him, oh my goodness, he's so rich in love and mercy and forgiveness and faithfulness and blessing. But if you don't want that, then other difficulties await. And that's what happened to Pharaoh in Exodus. And that's what happens here to the children of Israel. This should have been a two-week journey, but God tells them, okay, if you don't want the promised land, you're going to wait in the wilderness until this faithless generation dies out. And then your children will see the promised land. And so it took 40 years for this faithless generation to die out, which is why they're in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, then we have Korah's rebellion. That's a very interesting story. Um, after these 10 spies, then some of the Levites and the priests, they rise up against Moses and they say, you've, you've overstepped and you've, you're not doing it right. And God again affirms Moses and Aaron's leadership. And it is a sobering story because the earth opens up and he swallows Korah and these families in the earth. And here's what I want to tell you is pray for your leaders support your leaders. Uh, I don't believe that the earth is going to swallow you up by any means, but I'm telling you that our leaders are trying to be faithful and all God has called them to pray for your leaders. Um, then we get Moses in chapter 20 and all of this has just made Moses so frustrated. And God tells him, um, speak to the rock and the water is going to come out. And Moses 
he just he just feels the pressure i think of leading these people he feels the pressure of making sure that they make it to the promised land and he feels the pressure of god fulfilling his promise and he puts himself himself in the place of god and he strikes the rock twice and so um god is angry water does come out but what he says what moses says to the people is are we the ones that are supposed to bring the water out to you of course not God was the one that was going to bring the water out. So don't let all of this trepidation and responsibility of God's promise fall on you. God is faithful to complete the work that he's begun. He'll complete it in your life. He'll complete it in your children's life. It is not our responsibility to fulfill God's work. That's his responsibility. So don't let that pressure get to you because it cost Moses entering into the promised land. Now I want to talk about Psalm 22. This is, oh, it's so glorious. Have you ever wondered truly what was Jesus thinking on the cross? And I've heard a lot of people say he was thinking about you and me. And I believe that. But like, what were his actual thoughts? Can we know? The answer is yes, we can know. He was literally thinking about Psalm 22. So David wrote this Psalm and it opens up in verse one. My God, my God. Why have you abandoned me or why have you forsaken me? David here is so transparent and he feels like God has forsaken him that though all of these other people maybe would forsake him, really you, Lord, you would forsake me? That's what David feels. And that's what Jesus echoes on the cross. He quotes this, um, this psalm verbatim. I want to go through it. Um, so Jesus, um, it talks about, let's see, being scorned and being rejected by men. And we see that in Matthew 27, 39 through 44. Then um, it's saying if, if, if Jesus um, can save himself, let him save himself. Let him rely on the Lord. And that's echoed again in Matthew 27, 43. Let's look at verse 16. It talks about there, his hands have been pierced. His feet have been pierced. That is um, Jesus. I believe that David here through a prophetic lens is looking to the cross and it's saying that he can count his bones and Jesus was able to count his bones and see that none of them had been broken, which is a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, verse 10, David reminds himself, you have been my God from my womb, from my mother's womb. So even though he's feeling forsaken, he's feeling abandoned, he's feeling broken, and he's feeling pierced by his friends and by their words and, and just wounded overall. David always comes back to the fact that God is his God. He's always been his God. That's what I want to tell you in scripture. Scripture does not shy away from the fact that we feel alone. We feel abandoned, abandoned. We feel rejected. These writers do not shy away from showing God the agony and anguish in their heart, but they always come back to the fact that God is faithful. He has been our God from the beginning. Uh, verse 21, it says, you have answered me. You have answered me. Friend, an answer is on the way. My grandmother used to tell us this. She would say, ask God a question and he'll answer you. If you have questions today, ask the Lord and he will give you an answer because he is faithful. He is the truth, but do it in faithful and humble submission as we truly seek the Lord. 
one of the best verses, um, if I can find it quickly, it talks about um, verse 31. It's the end to a people yet yet born, they will declare what God has done. Friend, let me tell you that there are people that are watching um, that are going to produce children and your children are watching that are going to produce children and they're going to tell the story of your life. And if you'll speak and declare the faithfulness of God right now in the midst of your struggle, then your children will teach it to their children and their teacher will teach it to their children. A people yet unborn are going to declare the faithfulness of God because of the testimony that you're living out right now. And then last week, lastly, we see that um, it says um, it is done what he has done. And so in the Hebrew, that can also be translated, it is finished. And that is what Jesus quoted on the cross. He was quoting this verse, Psalm 22. We've read Psalm 23. I wish we had time. Oh, such a beautiful, beautiful passage. And then we've got Acts uh, 26 through 28, where Paul makes his final defense before King Agrippa. And then he appeals to the emperor. He goes on a boat um, and, and lands in Malta. And then he goes on to Rome and he ends it up in house arrest, declaring the kingdom of God, which is Jesus's message. So that's our message, too, is to declare the kingdom of God. Finally, we end with Mark. Chapters one through four, Mark is the shortest gospel. It says immediately 42 times because um, it's action packed and Mark moves it along quickly. We've got Jesus's baptism and then his ministry. We'll talk more about it next week. Keep reading, friend. I love you. I am praying for you. Message me, Jasmine at Regeneration Nashville. God bless. I'll see you next week.